Hello. Hey. Welcome back to Someone Greater Podcast. Still here. We're going to be talking about homebrew, like we usually do. Yep. And if you want us to talk about yours, what you need to do is contact us at our Twitter at Someone Greater or email us at SomeoneGreaterPod at gmail.com. Can you do that for me? Yep. Thanks. Good. So what's your favorite character you've ever played? My favorite character... Okay, this is a different question that when, than what you were preparing to ask me because there are two different answers. It is. This is an opener. <laughs> make it short. So, make it quick. Make it sweet. My favorite character... Sheesh, man. Uh, the one that stands out to me... Um is a character called Torville who is a Vidalcan cleric Ooh. of the Twilight Realm. You don't hear too many people playing Vidalcan. Nope. That is a busted combo. Vidalcan cleric? Yeah. Or Twilight cleric. Specifically Twilight cleric, yeah. Twilight cleric is like one of the most powerful classes in the It's very silly. Um... <laughs> I like it a lot. It's it's the class I have pulled up here actually as as my favorite class when you asked me earlier or subclass even. Um and something something we were talking about last episode that that made me think about this character specifically um is the role that support plays. Yeah. Um because I I hit a sweet spot when I was playing this character uh where I, I was really enjoying the role of support. Uh, and also, because Twilight Cleric is stupid, had the ability to dish out ass loads of damage. Yeah. I some some memorable moments with this character, dude. The meme <laughs> the meme in our group with this character was was that Torville's just built different. Because he truly <laughs> is. Like <laughs> there were there were a few moments i had were like for one reason or another uh i went to just like go check out a room uh in in a dungeon that we had we had passed and like surely nothing's in there sometimes things were in there <laughs> and on one of these occasions in particular i did like i i did some crazy like channel divinity spell combination mm. and just like wiped out everything in this room in one bloody tear oh and then like like grabbed the loot and came back outside the room to where the rest of my party was waiting <laughs> and everyone's like torville what the hell happened there <laughs> <laughs> and he just goes it's not a problem not a problem <laughs> got our loot <laughs> um but by far the the more interesting interactions i was able to have with that character were the ones where I was uh, enabling his best friend, which is something he would never say about this other character. <laughs> but like, he, he's a little bit of a Zunura, you know? <laughs> uh, so his his best friend was uh, a monk, Way of the Kensei. Ooh, that's a fun one. Really, really cool character. That is, honestly, that's one of the less popular monk subclasses is it in my in my experience yeah but it, it's it's so much fun so torville is some someone that this character june would kind of look up to as like a mentor um 
and uh my my favorite thing to do was uh go like just just step back for a battle and go full support to june and just like like watch him just just tear through the battlefield that's awesome it's great those are some of the most memorable interactions especially when like you know the character who would normally get the credit like recognizes what made it all possible yeah that was the dynamic between these two characters and just like like a good mesh probably probably the best like player dynamic that uh my buddy rj and i have ever had we've played in several campaigns um just like you know the 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 height of our D knowledge at at that time it was good you think it's safe to say that those may be some of your favorite classes in D? so i uh i don't know about i don't know enough about way of the kensei to necessarily say that but i do think that uh twilight cleric is up there um i, I was trying to think of what else might be a favorite i I really just like monk in general. Yeah. To be yeah. honest, like I I think it's incredibly fun to develop homebrew for the monk. Oh my gosh, yeah. Oh yeah. Uh because one thing if anything that D&D is lacking in is martial skills. Yeah, they're very very it, monk is so much fun to do homebrew for because it is they can do a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. And so if you make a specific piece of homebrew equipment that is only applicable in this one specific area, chances are monks can do that. Yeah. And you can build them around that piece of equipment. Because mm-hmm. they can do that. And you can do that in like so many different directions. Yeah. They're just they're they're crazy versatile. They really are. And honestly, so are clerics. Yeah. Like, people don't necessarily expect them to be, especially for new players. You hear the word cleric and you think healer. Right. It's so easy to fall into that rut. Yep. Especially when you have, like, life domain, light domain. But there are so many other ones. Have you ever looked at the war domain, cleric? The what? War domain. War domain. One of their channel divinities gives them a plus 10 to hit. For a single strike. Yeah, that's nuts. Granted, you don't have a ton of uses of that because it's a channel divinity, but just like... Wow. It's just a complete 180 from what you think Cleric is supposed to do. (laughs) That's so crazy, dude. Um, Does this do any kind of like... Yes, it does. War God's Blessing. I was going to ask support. Uh, When a creature within 30 feet of you makes an attack roll, use your reaction to grant that creature plus 10 bonus to the roll using your channel divinity. So it, okay, so that just applies to anybody. Yeah, you can hit, you can hit That's yourself, crazy. You can hit one of your allies. Oh, wow. It can make for some seriously clutch moments That's at like so the end of sick. combat. I really like that. I really really like that. I love I love <clears throat> offensive buffs. I think that honestly that is something as a class ability that is missing from Dungeons and Dragons. Just like having having more buffs for your party as I have to agree. Yeah. Like there are a ton of spells Uh and items, magic items and spells that you can use to help your party, give them buffs, give them 
advantages on this, that, or the other thing. But individual classes are built to only work with themselves. Yeah. And I think that's well, a huge bummer. I think I think Artificer can break from that. Yeah, I should walk that Decently back. well. There are some classes that and subclasses specifically that have interaction with other party members. Mm-hmm. I just think that it needs to be a more common across the board ability from certain classes as a whole. Yeah. Like, I wish it weren't relegated to a subclass, I guess is my opinion on that. Yeah. When I was playing Kroll, my artillerist. Yeah. um, I, uh, I worked with my DM and, and asked like, Hey, the, the protector turret cannon thing. Oh yeah, from what what the what's up is that the it's, battlesmith? It's the artillerist. Oh, art, yeah, you yeah. said that already. Um, <laughs> I'm like, can that be a backpack? Oh <laughs> yeah, I remember you talking about man. And dude, he said yes, but like, <laughs> if if, if we're just going by balance, like he kind of should broken. It's a little broken because it it was silly. It was silly. You can't. You can't hit that. Well, yeah, because that's the one that um, it, it does the little like stim needle thingies. Like you get temporary hit points from it. Right? Yup. Yup. And you activate that as a freaking bonus action. Oh man! Like that's so good. We had temp HP all the time. That's so good. <laughs> now, it was it was fun for him. I think a little bit because he got to design some really insane monsters to throw at us. Yeah, that's the <laughs> other thing. Oh my gosh, that is the other part of it. From the complete flip side, players learn how to play support so that your DM can go ape shit. Yeah, that's Please fun. Let us go. Ape Scary shit. monsters are fun, dude. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah, I think I, I would have to say my personal favorite classes. I'm not going to say I have one favorite class mm-hmm. because that's too hard. It sounds really basic, and I promise you, there's good reason for it. Fighter, I. Love the fighter class. There's so much you can do with it. There's so much versatility. But on the other side, I am also a sucker for warlocks. Little, it's kind of tied with rogues. Warlocks and rogues kind of tied. But we talked in the last episode briefly about the the new source book coming out, um, Glory or whatever of giants, Mm -hmm. and they're going to bring in a barbarian subclass. Path of the Giant. And I talked about the fighter subclass that we already have, Rune Knight, that has become, hands down, my favorite subclass in Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. It's it's absurd what you can do with it. <clears throat> and I am of uh, Nordic descent myself. So being able to get into like the runes and like enlarging yourself to do more in combat and like just the versatility of how much the runes can affect it brought me so much joy and i literally i read it and i was like viking 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 i'm not gonna play a viking yeah. and i freaked out hell yeah it's ooh, so good but yeah so I, I i think that fighter is one of my favorite classes not only because of rune knight but also because there are so many subclasses for it 
that have incredible versions. I think this may or may not be true. In my opinion, Fighter has some of the widest variants in its subclasses. Fighter, my personal opinion on it, Fighter has a small piece of every other class. Uh, yeah, yeah. Because, like, you even have Eldritch Knight, mm -hmm. which is a fighter subclass, which turns you into a baby Hexploid Warlock. I love Eldritch Knight. It's so good! It's fun. It's fun. I kind of want to play that class again. And then you've got Echo Knight, yeah. which lets you create the, like, other echoes of yourself. The, yeah. Yeah, manifestations is the word I was looking for there. And then you have Cyanite, which lets you do psychic damage, and you can summon psychic knives and things like that. There are so many different things you can do with it. And one of the subclasses that I actually... I continually skipped over and skipped over and skipped over until I finally read it. Cavalier. It is woefully underutilized. Really? It gives you um, a mount. Oh my god. It's the one that you... you I don't know if it, it, the class itself technically gives you a mount, but like you can talk to your DM about just buy a horse. Nobody uses mounts. Not hard. <clears throat> I know, and... It's kind of a crime that people don't use mounts. Yeah. But the coolest thing about this subclass is that it gives you terrifying abilities in in tandem with having a mount. Uh -huh. You um <clears throat> you get advantage on saving throws to avoid falling off. If you fall off and you are no more than ten feet off the ground, you land on your feet and you just keep going. And mounting and dismounting only costs five feet of movement instead That's of half. Stupid, what the hell? Yeah. I'm looking at hold the line right now also. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it, it's crazy. That's stupid. Even better, um, warding maneuver, which actually even comes earlier than hold the line. Really? Warding maneuver at seventh level. You can block strikes coming at other creatures. If you are a creature you can see within five feet is hit by an attack, you roll 1d8 as a reaction if you're wielding a melee weapon or a shield. Roll the d8, add that number to the target's armor class against that attack. Oh my god. And if the attack still hits, the target has resistance against the attack's damage. Dude. That's arguably, arguably that is better support than a paladin or cleric. It's gotta be. That's extremely strong. Right. Because, like, you're not healing, per se, uh -huh. but the damage mitigation is so incredibly powerful. The The fact that it... Dude, anything that affects armor class is, is strong from the jump. Yeah. But then just, like, like if it hits you anyway, forget about it, you know? Right. What? You can use it... An, um, a number of times equal to your constitution modifier. Oh, man. So, granted, it's not unlimited. I mean, if you're playing offensive tank, like, that's great. <laughs> yeah, because that also lends you to build a constitution class. Yeah. A constitution character, yeah. sorry. Yeah, I get you. That doesn't wow. happen that often. No. Anymore. No, Most who does that? People build yeah. for strength, dex, and something else. Uh-huh. Especially as a martial class. <clears throat> But yeah, there are just there are so many crazy cool abilities for Cavalier. I think it's underutilized. 
I am also a perpetrator in that. I've never once played it, but I want to. I I would love to see that. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be so sick. I think the only downside to it is that <clears throat> the campaigns that we typically play in are more focused on the story side of things. And as a result, tend to spend a lot more time in cities where you can't do much with a mount. Yeah. That I don't know. I think in our group we would we would find a way. Well, yeah, because that was the other thing I was gonna say in response to that. It, all it requires is a conversation between you and your DM. Mm-hmm. You talk to the DM and you say, hey, I want to do this thing. It kind of depends on having a little more combat and having a little more open area to do my thing. Can you make that work in your story? And a good DM should be able to say yes. Mm-hmm. With the stipulation that the campaign itself is not a heavily themed campaign in the opposite direction. Yeah. I mean, you you just need to be able to find a way to make it work. And, you know, that might involve just rebalancing the amount of time that you spend in cities like that, you know, as opposed to like out in the field and not even drastically, just like a little, what are you looking at, brother? I'm so sorry. I just got really distracted. I was... <clears throat> Listening and checking up on the final ability that the Cavalier gets at level 18. Lay it on me. Vigilant Defender. Um, in combat, you get a special reaction that you can take once on every creature's turn except yours. You can use this special reaction only to make an opportunity attack, and you can't use it on the same turn that you take your normal reaction. The every character's turn thing is crazy. Yeah. How is this allowed? <laughs> That's one that, like, I'm going to need some heavy clarification. Yeah. You mean I can take as many reactions as there are? Surely there's a limiting participants factor. Participants in combat, because that would be bonkers. Cavalier! Who knew? It's funny. Play it. <laughs> <laughs> My other favorite class, kind of on a. You could almost say the exact opposite spectrum of the classes of D&D is Warlock. I I think Warlock was the first spellcasting class I ever chose, mm-hmm. which is kind of funny because a lot of people told me that the best spellcasting class to start with was Sorcerer. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, couldn't have told me that. Uh, like, I looked at Warlock and I went, I get three magical abilities in the form of invocations and I don't have to cast anything to activate these? Like, yeah, I'm gonna do that. Pretty crazy. Mm Mm-hmm. And you can't mention Warlock without also mentioning the Mafia father of subclasses, which is Hexblade. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Thematically, story-wise, power-wise, interaction mechanically wise it is one of the strongest subclasses mm-hmm. in the game it's so good you can write that as as any npc <laughs> yeah there there are a lot of villains in media that i like to think of that just are that class literally it is the anime swordsman it is it's 
it, like it's it's Sephiroth a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> very one winged angel. Very yeah. one winged angel. And then just the, the Eldritch invocations of Warlock class in general. You can make such a unique and exciting build just by changing two or three of your invocations. Yeah. It it, it completely dictates how you are going to play the character, what your character is going to be able to do. And I think that is... Um, I think that's the mark of objectively a great class. Uh, yeah, for real. Do you have uh do you have a favorite build of that subclass that you've made? Like of a character that I've built or played? Sure. Or played? <clears throat> I had you ready for this one? I'm super original. I had a tiefling hexblade okay. warlock. Yeah. Um his name was Valen. I played him in one of my earliest um, college campaigns, um, pre-game with you guys. <clears throat> Valen was a ton of fun. Valen's Hexblade weapon was a flail. Oh my god. That's metal. Yeah. <laughs> Literally, they handed me a list of all the weapons in the game, and they were like, you can make any of these as a Hexblade. And I was Dude. like, give me the fucking Sauron <laughs> special, bro. Like, or not Sauron, the witch, the witch king. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> give me the witch king special, bro. Yeah, so it was this curly-haired um, tiefling kid that the story behind him was... He was born to human parents mm-hmm. as uh, lore fact for you. That can happen in D and D. You can just randomly give birth to a tiefling. Yikes! Not necessarily randomly. There are aspects of how it happens, but it is possible to be a tiefling with human parents. Uh, QED actually, the D- Dungeons and Dragons movie. Oh yeah. Fun fact. <clears throat> uh, but yeah, so he was born to human parents. The villas that they lived in. Got all butt hurt because they were like, you brought a demon into our village. And they didn't like it. And so when Valen was very young, the villagers finally had enough and killed his parents. And he fled. Found a cave in the hills somewhere nearby that was like, everyone avoided it because they said it was haunted and there was some horrible thing that happened there one time. So he hid in the cave and uh, heard a voice talking to him and basically told him, I can give you the strength to protect yourself from these people. And it was the magical flail. So he had this flail and that was his thing. I, he didn't get to be a very high level. It's kind of a bummer. And I haven't actually built a purely, like, like a tried and true Hexblade Warlock yeah. since Valen. Most of the time, I tend to avoid using Hexblade because I am such a power gamer. Because with two or three levels of fighter and the rest in Hexblade Warlock, you can do some pretty nutty things. With Action Surge and proficiency with all martial weapons, it it, it gets kind of bonkers. Yeah. it's so cool. Yeah. 
But yeah, and just the versatility of Warlock to be able to say, I'm going to run a purely spellcasting Warlock or a purely melee Warlock. Mm -hmm. Because you can do that very easily. The invocations around Eldritch Blast, the customization that you get for that cantrip as a Warlock is so cool. Agonizing Blast lets you do more damage. You can get the one that pushes people away when you hit them. You can get the one that pulls them closer when you hit them. There's an invocation that gives Eldritch Blast a range of 300 feet. What on earth? <laughs> Imagine if you will. Dude. You have the invocation that pulls a target 10 feet closer to you every time you hit them with Eldritch Blast. Uh-huh. Now let's, for the sake of the argument, let's say you are at least level 17, which means when you cast Eldritch Blast, there are not one, not two, not three, but four bolts that fire. And you have a range of 300 feet. And then there's, um, oh, what's the other one? Uh, maybe it's just the one. But yeah, um, Grasp of Hadar. On each of your turns, when you hit a creature with your Eldritch Blast, you can move that creature in a straight line 10 feet closer to you. If you hit them with all four, that is 40 feet that they are pulled towards you. Wow. Most normal creatures and things are going to have a movement speed, or people, I will say, people, will have a movement speed of 30. They can get up to 300 feet away from you, and if you have a high enough attack modifier, every turn you are walking towards them and they are being pulled towards you. Like, how terrifying would that <laughs> That's be? so freaky. Oh my god. Granted, you'd probably kill them before they get to you because you're also dealing damage. It would be so funny to, like, <laughs> prepare a sequence where, like, that's your that's your main your main villain, you know? Oh, yeah. And that's, for a while, that's just all they do. <laughs> They're just toying with you. Yeah, because the other thing about Warlocks, too, that I forgot to mention, because we talked about Hexblade, I forgot to talk about the Pacts. Mm -hmm. Because there's the Warlock Patron and a Pact. You essentially get two subclasses for the price of one. That's a lot going on. <laughs> because Hexblade, obviously you're going to choose Pact of the Blade. It, it's the only thing that... I'm sorry, I shouldn't say that. I'm a power gamer. It's the only thing that makes sense for optimizing Hexblade. <laughs> I, will, I will concede that point. But there's also Pact of the Tome, uh -huh. Pact of the Chain. Um, what does Chain do? Chain gives you a familiar. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Chain gives you a pseudo-dragon or an imp or something of the like as your familiar. And then you can, like, see and hear through your familiar's eyes. You can cast spells through your familiar. You can communicate them on the same plane of existence, no matter how far away you are. There are invocations that, that um, buff your familiar and things like that. <clears throat> oh, Pact of the Talisman is the other one. Okay. There's Tome, Pact of the Tome, Pact of the Blade, Pact of the Chain, Pact of the Talisman. <clears throat> um... But yeah, so Pact of the Chain gives you familiar. You can do stuff with the familiar. Pact of the Blade, you can summon and dissipate your sword whenever. Pact of the Tome gives you a spell book that you can write people's names in. And then you can cast Descending Spell to them 
by writing on their page in your book. Mm -hmm. Or you can essentially rip out their page in your book. Sorry, I'm just thinking of Death Note. (laughs) (laughs) See, I was thinking of um, Harry Potter. Okay. And the the journal. Oh, yeah. (laughs) But yeah, it's like anti-Death Note, though, because it's like you can actually like mitigate damage and like save them at one HP Mm. by like tearing out their page in the book. Man. The Warlock class has the most utility. It's yeah, it's got a whole lot going on. Mm-hmm. Put it in the comments. Let's talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so those if are... you disagree with me, good engagement. <laughs> Tell me I'm stupid. Tell me. <laughs> Maybe we'll uh, unpack that later. <laughs> <laughs> That's a different podcast. <laughs> But yeah, so those are my favorite classes. Um, do you have a favorite race? Yes. To play as? Wow. Oh, <laughs> the floor is yours. <laughs> it's the Goliath. I love them. Yay. Um, Big old boys. I like resistances. Oh, yeah. And uh, I like stones and dirt. <laughs> that is really fun. <laughs> that is really fun. Yeah, stuff. Was, uh, I, I also. I've never played a tiefling, but I've I've been kind of wanting to, uh, just because like the fire resistance is, resistance is sick. Yeah, but I think uh, I don't know. I think I think the cold resistance is just kind of metal. Mm-hmm. Do you want Do you want to hear how one of one of the guys in my first uh D and D campaign that I played in? Do you want to hear how they describe the tiefling? Yeah, it's just like as, as like a purely like, what do you think about the class? This is insensitive people, by the way. But um, because we were talking about my first time ever creating a character, yeah. and I was like, "Oh, what's the tiefling?" And this guy just leans over the table and goes, "Oh, you mean baby's first bisexual?" <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly. That's almost exactly what you told me when I when I told you I was thinking about making a tiefling. I, I had to keep it alive. It's it's like it's one of the most insensitive things, but like it was just so funny to me because <laughs> like there's a stereotype for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> so you have chosen the whore. <laughs> Do the batter you want tea. Uh yeah. <laughs> but yeah goliaths man they're so much fun yeah they're so much fun. i just i i find in in a lot of media i find goliath lore or giant lore incredibly interesting um and goliaths in D being the descendants of giants like you know you got me yeah um, i mean again I, it's why we're so excited for the new book to come out yeah yeah for real for real dude um there's just something so satisfying about being able to say once this new book drops i am a goliath path of the giant barbarian the the most the most unfortunate thing about them but also like uh understandable lore wise is uh the fact that they're kind of reclusive because you know they, they live way up in the mountains in the main country in my campaign i've written them to have been that way but then 
have been forced out of hiding kind of oh that's a that's a fun way because they're like one of the main three races yeah because of just how how populous they became in their isolation um so like you know y'all are going to be interacting with them a lot and and you know reconciling some some trauma that comes from that culture of isolation uh but also the exploitation of their cultures thereafter that's really cool yeah that's 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 something that like i don't this is one of my weaknesses i don't usually go into the lore of the race that i want to play indian yeah I think it's probably because I am such a power gamer. I'm usually looking at the racial abilities and the features that they have. Um, I mean, kind of what I've what I've done is like I've I've made the lore a little different, obviously, because you know it's it's my own world, just very very loosely based on the uh, cultures and peoples of D and D while using the D and D system. Still, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you have to. And so sorry, it's like, you have to. well, I mean, you have to, you have to adapt some things to make that kind of thing work, which is the fun part. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's, that's why it's a little funny that one of my favorite classes, or, sorry, one of my favorite races to play as in D&D, especially the Asimar. Mm-hmm. Asimar, Asimar, Asimar. I say Asimar. I've never heard anyone not say Asimar. Really? Mm-hmm. I've heard some people say Asimar. That's weird. I agree. <laughs> um, but yeah, there have been a lot of times when I have wanted to play something ethereal and like it has a connection to the celestial plane because mm-hmm. that is one of one of the most fascinating parts of Dungeons and Dragons lore for me is the celestial plane. Yeah, I just I love it totally. There is an ongoing thing with Asimar where homebrew people will often fight with hardcore rules lawyers about should slash do Asimar have wings? Because one of their abilities is their like shroud ability mm-hmm. where they will sprout wings and then they can temporarily fly and do things. And <clears throat> I think that's cool. I am I'm personally I'm in the homebrew group homebrew group with this one. I think they should have wings. Yeah, why not? I I think it makes it makes them more interesting. A little more fun to play. Um you would be surprised how little having wings is a problem <laughs> for a healthy play group. Right. And <clears throat> I'm sorry. Sometimes I want to play a character that has wings who doesn't also have a beak and talons. <laughs> yeah, fair enough, dude. Give me my wingsuit. <laughs> but yeah, so I awesome, feel that. Awesome are for sure one of my favorites. One that <clears throat> I didn't realize was my favorite, but I have caught myself now over so many occasions when I have the chance to play a character I build an elf you build an elf I build an elf for what elf things no delivering presents usually because um 
I would like to pretend that I am skinny and tall <laughs> and intimidating. Oh my god, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fantasy game, Jax. <laughs> Hey man, why why do you like to play elves so much? Body dysmorphic. <laughs> Shh, don't tell the internet. <laughs> Holy shit, dude. Oh man. Yeah, uh, that's something that I have not yet explored about myself, so we're just gonna have to end with that one. Elves! Elves! <laughs> No, I, I, I love elves. I yeah. really do. They are one of my favorite fantasy races in existence. Mm-hmm. Just across across any series. And I like the abilities that they have in D&D. I like that they have the trance ability where they don't actually sleep. They just meditate. Yeah. I think it's really cool. It's super sick. <clears throat> I think that people trying to build characters that never have to sleep, I think it's fun and quirky once in a while. But I also think that people can do it just to be a little toxic sometimes. And I think Elf is a perfect middle ground between that. Like, yeah. oh, I don't have to sleep. I don't, mm, I don't require a rest. Yeah. It's like, okay. As long as you're not being a douchebag about it, that can be fun. But for elves, it's just helpful. Like you can say, you know, we all do have to rest. I only require four hours. I can take the first and last shift of watch. You guys want to just rest if we need, if someone needs to just whatever, and then we can get on the road a little, get on the road a little bit earlier, or something like that. I don't know. And the resistance to um, magical sleep and resistance to being charmed. Mm. I just think it's all really fun abilities. Yeah. I, you know, something, I don't know why, something about the elf has has just felt kind of pretentious. A lot of, a lot of the abilities that it has just seem like, like so so convenient like oh it's its mind is just so perfect you know (laughs) like i i cannot be swayed by any entity or man you know um stop calling me out but (laughs) so i wasn't (laughs) but no (laughs) uh i think my disdain would be lesser if these kind of mental defenses had some sort of interesting offensive counterpart to go with them. And I don't just mean like, like combat. I mean like active, like telepathy. That's what I was just thinking. Cause, um, Kalish, Kalishtar, have telepathy. Uh-huh. And Kalistar is a really, really cool race. I've always kind of looked at it and gone, wannabe elf. Yeah. That's I'm, just my opinion. I'm actually not familiar with the Kalistar. 
Um, their whole spiel is that they have some weird connection to, I, I believe it's like an entity okay. that has basically invaded their dreams to the point where they do not dream anymore and they cannot be magically put to sleep okay. by anything. And they get limited telepathy. <clears throat> I see. I would almost advantage see. on all wisdom saving throws. Yeah, that's kind of bonkers. That's crazy, actually. <laughs> I would almost say the elf class or the elf race could benefit from having the two kind of squished together. In some manner, I think. Yeah, I think elves are very homogenous in their presentation throughout like different types of media. I think the same kind of elf, the Lord of the Rings elf, the D and D elf has been used so much. I'm sick of seeing him. Uh, Legolas. Honestly. Yeah. 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 It's a little much. (laughs) That's why, um, the character I'm currently playing in Bailey's campaign is an elf. Mm-hmm. Is a high elf. <clears throat> I am playing one of the weirdest multi-classes I've ever played. I'm playing a monk sorcerer. What? That's crazy. As an yeah. elf? Yeah, as an elf. What? So his whole spiel is that he grew up in the uppity-up, snooty-snooty elf culture. Yeah. Where they all the Britland, yeah, Britland. <clears throat> they all um, they all jeweled each other with rapiers before breakfast. Oh, fantastic! And man. he looked at all of them and went, "I'm going to use my hands." And they went, "What?" He said, "No, no, no! I'm going to use my hands. <laughs> I'm going to bitch slap you." Yeah. <laughs> and so that's like his whole thing. Is he was just like, "Ha, fuck you, tradition! I'm leaving, and I'm gonna hit people." With my elbows. Yeah. <laughs> and then he's also on this journey of self-discovery because it turns out he may be um distantly related to an archbay. Oh. So he is There's your sorcerer. Yep. Activating the sorcerer. Cool man. That's <laughs> awesome. It is really fun. It is really fun. But yeah, so that's that's kind of my personal favorites and things. I gotta say though, when when I was thinking about what um, my favorites of like races and classes were, it's hard to not then think of the counterpart. What is my least favorite? Mm-hmm. Definitely ranger. Yeah, it hurts to say because it is so easy. But ranger is my it's, least favorite. It, it's lame, man. It is. I I love the concept of a ranger. But I think Wizards of the Coast got it wrong. There are a lot of things that should be part of Ranger that were put in other places. Not that they shouldn't have been, because a a lot of the stuff that Druids do that I think Rangers should also be able to do belongs with Druids. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Uh, But, like, there should be some shared space there, I think. Yeah, because, like, Rangers are a bad multi-class of fighter druid rogue that is true i almost i am i am tempted to say 
Heresy. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm tempted to say that ranger should almost be a subclass of fighter. Because I sort of feel that way. You're not wrong, is the thing. You're really not. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I enjoy some of the ranger subclasses that we have, but they just don't feel... It feels like a subclass of a subclass. Mm-hmm. You and I actually started playing a game recently. Um, just got it for the Switch not too long yeah. ago. Octopath Traveler 2. Yes. Love the game. It's a JRPG, but you're playing Dungeons and Dragons. In a lot of ways, yeah. You get to go recruit your people. You get to optimize your party. It's it's so much like Dungeons and Dragons. There's even multi-classing. And and like the different characters can learn how to use the classes of other characters. I recently unlocked a character named Ochet. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. I think so. It's the only way I can think to pronounce it. Yeah, I, w- I was between Ochet or Ochet, but <laughs> Ochet. <laughs> I think maybe Ochet wouldn't have made it past localization. You're probably right. <laughs> <laughs> I had that one in my head. I never said it out loud, and then I said it out loud, and I went, "Nope, <laughs> <laughs> that's not it." It's not the one. <clears throat> but um, Ochet is her class in the game is hunter. And I think the Hunter class of Octopath Traveler 2 is what ro- uh, what Ranger in D&D should have been. Ochet's whole thing is that she can buff your allies, debuff your enemies, and she can capture creatures mm-hmm. and use them to attack. Pokemon. Yeah! Pokemon! I want to play Pokemon in my D&D. Yeah. <clears throat> but in, in, a, in a much smaller sense. Um, I think it would make sense for that to be adapted into more of a summon type ability it, in D&D. It feels like a druid subclass. Kind of, but not quite, because it's not a wild shape thing. It's not like Ochet is turning into that creature. Right, but like 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 a druid summoner kind of thing. I could see it. For animals specifically. <clears throat> I could see it. I don't know if I would do that though. No. What would you Because I think the the way mine mine is going with it is if you are a druid, you turn into animals. Okay. There are spells that let you summon animals. You're right. So I think you kind of have your whole in- animal interaction there. Mm-hmm. I don't think you need a class ability to be able to like summon the spirit of something to aid you as a druid. Right. You kind of just do it yourself. <clears throat> but I think rangers, if we're keeping ranger as a class... If I got my way, and we replaced the Wizards of the Coast Rangers class with Octopath Traveler 2, obviously it wouldn't be a complete one-to-one replacement, but... Now, Keith, you know... know. (laughs) 
Yeah. Basically, I, I, I love the concept that one of the ways that Ochette can actually end combat in Octopath Traveler is by capturing the creature that you're fighting against. There are a limited number of creatures that she can have captured. <clears throat> I think it would be cool to do that. I think Rangers should be able to have like a fun little like pocket dimension type thing where they can magically preserve or store a creature and then summon it back out a number of times equal to your proficiency modifier per mm -hmm. day, whatever it has to be to make it balanced and use one of the attacks or abilities on its stat block sheet. And then it just disappears mm -hmm. back into its place. Yeah, that is cool. Because I think that gives you so much versatility, and then you can strategize on what you capture to get the most wide range of abilities to be able to utilize in combat. <clears throat> but that's only a small part of what Ochet does. Mm -hmm. There are things she does. She has an ability called Beastly Howl that gives your party a buff and your enemies a debuff. Kind of like a Bard's Inspiration, but it would apply to everyone. Mm -hmm. And I think making it a once-per-day thing makes sense. Having it to where maybe it gives temporary HP to your allies. Maybe it gives your enemies one turn of make a saving throw against being frightened that only lasts for one turn. Mm -hmm. Something like that. I don't know. It's not going to be too hard to adapt that. <clears throat> but then there's also um, specific abilities that she gets, like Mercy Strike. You can, instead of killing a creature outright, you can reduce it to one hit point. Or for D&D, knock it unconscious. Yeah. Having that as, an, uh, as a class ability, I think would be amazing. I, I just, I know that you can specify that you would like to do non-lethal damage to your DM, but if you have an actual ability that says, I deal this amount of damage, if they would die, they're knocked unconscious instead. Yeah. I think it's cool. <clears throat> There's also an ability called Precise Shot, which lets you make two attacks against one opponent for the price of one. I think that would be cool. I think it's super easy to adapt into D&D, give it a much smaller modifier to hit than you normally would have. Fairly simple to do. Mm. And there's an ability called Take Aim that raises your ally's crit range and accuracy. Dude. Make Ranger a support class, bro! Yeah, why not? Please! Like, can you imagine if for... for, like... Let's say five turns. Five turns. Allies that you can see, I'm spitballing here, allies that you can see within 30 feet of you when you activate take aim gain a crit range of 19 to 20 instead of just 20. And they get a plus two to hit for five turns. Instantly. Ranger becomes, oh my gosh, we have a Ranger on our team. Combat's going to be fantastic. Yeah, that's a top-tier support class. Yeah. But not, I mean, is it is it like insanely busted? I don't think it is, especially because there are so many of these abilities. You make them a one-a-day thing. Uh-huh. You can turn 
the important combat, you know there's a big combat coming, you save up the ranger's buffs. All the, all the day, if, if you have other combats you don't use, and you save them up for the big one. Mm-hmm. And you make your party feel like heroes. Mm-hmm. That's the point of D&D. At least in the campaigns that we play. You yeah. know, we're playing to feel like heroes. But then the debuff side of Ochet's kit. She has an ability that will nullify one enemy's augmenting or buffing effect. Imagine you have a BBEG who just activated a thing that gives them plus whatever to whatever. A ranger has a thing to make them make a saving throw, and if they fail, that goes away. Mm -hmm. It's cool. You can call shots. As a ranger, you can say, that one, that one's weak. Go get this guy. There's also an ability called Leg Hold Trap. Which causes a single foe to act last in the turn order. Oh, damn. For two turns. Quash. Initiative manipulation. I like that a lot. How sick would that be? Yeah. Ranger gets in there. They've got a little bit of mobility going on. They put something. They, like, hit them with a bear trap. I don't know. (laughs) Put something on their leg. All of a sudden, that person is moving dead last in initiative. Right. It may not change the entire course of the combat. I feel like it does have to do a little more because initiative in D&D doesn't quite work like um, <clears throat> like speed does in a JRPG. Yeah. Because it, it, is, it is most important on the first turn. That's fair. But it, like, it can do that and a little more, I think. Like... I think you're right. Have their speed. Just manipulating. Yeah, yeah. You know? Just manipulating the initiative is not the most strong. Yeah. But there's just, there's so much utility to be had here. I think, I I, I think it would be hugely beneficial to have a lot of this replace the stuff that we have for Ranger right now. Mm -hmm. Because I'm sorry, back in like first, second, third edition D&D, Having the favored terrain and favored enemy was probably actually helpful. In 5th edition, it's not. We have too many different settings. We have Spelljammer. We have um, Curse of Strahd. We have too many places to go. Yeah. Ranger just can't cover it anymore. And that makes them unhelpful mm-hmm. in many situations. <clears throat> but yeah, there are a few other abilities that Ochad gets as part of the Hunter thing that will like raise your physical attack, raise your evasion, and raise your speed for a few turns. <clears throat> Heighten your own senses to give you an increased chance to act um, like twice in the first turn wow. or something like that. Eagle Eye that um, raises the character's critical rate. Stuff like that. I th- I think that the capturing aspect of creatures and instituting a buff and debuff aspect of Ranger makes so much more sense yeah. to me than what we have right now. Yeah. I would almost even say completely take out <clears throat> the spell casting aspect of Rangers and replace it with the buff and debuff. 
That's interesting. Um, can they? Because if you think can about they it, not be one in the same? I don't think. I don't think so. Do you think <clears throat> you need to lose the spells? <clears throat> if you really think about it, all of the rangers' most impactful ranger spells could be class abilities. That's probably true. Yeah. Yeah. Hunter's mark. And you can you can just not me not being able to think of a single other ranger spell that makes <laughs> right <laughs> like yeah just get some more charges as you level up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't think rangers need spellcasting. I think having magical effects as part of the class class abilities would cover it. I think it would. Do you think I? It it almost it feels a little. A little strange to not just use the spell system. Say they're either non-magical skills or just a different type of magic. Well, sorry. When I say magical abilities, I just mean in general because most class abilities have some form of magic to them. Okay. Though they're not necessarily spells. I understand. Yeah, because like... Abjuration wizard. They can conjure the bubble thingy that right. protects them, whatever. I would say that is a magical ability. It's not a spell. Right. So that's, that's just what, what you're saying. About. Okay. But yeah, because I don't think that... I don't think that the buff and debuff system can be put into spells. I think that if you were to do that, <clears throat> it opens the door for the exact same problem that we have right now there are always better spellcasters. Yeah. If the ranger's thing is a spell, take a feat or something that gives you access to the ranger's spell and just use that spell on a fighter. Yeah. On a wizard. There are better people to do that if it's a spell. I think if you make it a class ability, then the ranger can... It it helps the cohesiveness of the class Mm -hmm. of the build. If they were to do that with the Ranger, then I think the subclasses that we could get from that Ranger could be so much cooler because you can bring into, uh, you, you can kind of spec the subclass into maybe having a more DPS focus for the buff and debuffs Maybe one of the subclasses is like elemental focused and you can like call down lightning or yeah. something like that. And maybe maybe there is a subclass that gives you access to the druid spell list and you actually do get to cast some spells in addition to the buff and debuffs. Uh-huh. Maybe replacing some of the buff and debuffs. <clears throat> I think that just like fighter... Ranger should have a subclass that gives them spells, but that should be what makes that specific subclass special. Mm -hmm. I don't think that should be just a class thing that happens. Sure. Like, Fighter, when you have someone playing an Eldritch Knight Fighter, people get excited. Because, ooh, it's a fighter with spells. That's so cool. Yeah. No one gets excited about Ranger right now because it's like, ah, a bad spellcaster. Right. (laughs) Yeah, I think 
<clears throat> I think we should write this up as a subclass and make a video out of it. That would be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we can do that. Have a big old analysis on that one. Yeah. Cause, cause this, this deserves like some, some time over pen and paper, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, on the topic of Octopath though, you found a couple things in the game that you really enjoyed too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Hikari's ability to learn special moves from people is funny by calling their asses out in broad daylight yeah <laughs> fight me yeah <laughs> i'm going to beat you and then learn your technique so the thing the thing i immediately thought of uh the first time i did that was a in my opinion much funnier version of the concept from final fantasy 7 where you uh you learn specific moves from enemies in the field really so there is uh are you familiar with that materia system at all in that game mm -hmm. I've so, never played okay the way the mechanics of materia in game are kind of a lot to explain but essentially like you equip a a spherical little gem on your weapon and uh it can grant you a variety of different abilities and also be chained together with other materia. For example, you get a like a cure materia. It's just your your most basic restoration spell, right? Oh, okay. Um, but you can you can link it to an all materia. Oh, in I a link see where slot this is going. and and cure your entire party. Yeah, really cool. Um. But there's, uh, oh shoot, what is this materia actually called? It's a yellow one. It's just called enemy skill, okay. Um, <laughs> when you select this materia on on the character's turn, uh, it opens a list of like, I, I think it's gotta be like 40 moves. Dang. That you can use that one materia for. Uh, and they, they only show up as anything more than like a dashed line if you've seen the move before. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So like there there are, you know, 40 or so enemies in the game that like have, a, you know, a, a an arsenal of their own moves. But if, if they use the one that's on the enemy skill list, you will be able to use that for the rest of the game. That's cool. It's great. Now, we'll get around to how you would adapt that to D&D because I, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, the funniest instance of this for me, of, of, like, figuring out what this materia actually does, and I think for a lot of people, the first instance of actually using it, you just launch a bunch of missiles <laughs> from your person. Like, <laughs> You know, rocket mechanical looking missiles. Become Sam Turret. Forty of them just, just yeah, just spawn out of your very human back <laughs> and like home in on, on all of the enemies in front of you. It's so funny. That is hilarious. No. <laughs> it's a little more believable. Uh what happens in in Octopath because you're you're just 
using weapon attacks that you have seen people use. <laughs> yeah, it's more along the lines of, oh, show me how you did that thing you just did. Yeah. yeah cool. <laughs> I'm, I'm really pressed to figure out how you could best make that happen in D&D. Yeah, see, what came to my mind is that you would almost need an entire class or subclass based around that concept. That's probably true. Because the other thing that popped into my mind is it's similar to um, Pokemon. A little bit. It's similar to Smeargle. It's very much Smeargle. Yeah. So, like... (laughs) It's 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 so much Smeargle. Um, for those of you not familiar, Smeargle is a Pokemon in the franchise that is famous for having only one move. It is called Sketch, and it allows you to take the move that someone else just used, and now you have it permanently. It's your move now. Yep. Or, yep. Permanently. So <clears throat> there was a time when Smeargle was used competitively, wasn't there? Well, there will be again. Because he's coming back. Oh, no. That's a topic for another day. He's coming back in the DLC. Oh, Lord. But anyway, (laughs) my point in that was if you were to have a class or a subclass whose one of their, like, primary abilities is that sketch ability where you are able to take something that another creature has used and... I wouldn't say permanently. I would say temporarily you have access to it. It would need a lot of stipulations. Like, you can't take one of the Beholder's eye stalk rays, probably, unless you have something with which to trigger the eye stalk ray. So, like, maybe an Artificer subclass. Oh, yeah. Why not? You build a contraption to mimic the attack of something that you have seen. Yes. Or? Or? Necromancer feet. That's... That's kind of crazy. <laughs> what, what class do you think would be able to utilize that the best? <clears throat> I'm thinking... It, I'm thinking a spellcaster, probably. I think sorcerer. Uh Uh-huh. You'd almost have to do a full-on necromancer subclass for sorcerer. I sort of think so. Yeah, but it would... It would would have to be called something different because that ability is so centralizing, I think. Um, What you would essentially need is you would need like a... Mm, a sorcerer subclass that has a blood connection to, like, I was, I was, I almost said the material plane itself, but I don't think yeah. that's true. I think you might actually need a a sorcerer with a subclass tied with it with a blood connection to something else, maybe a a different plane altogether. That might be ha- they might have to be something completely homebrew. It, like yeah. what the connection is too, <clears throat> because my idea is, or my thinking on this is, you would almost need a subclass that is centered around mimicry, of sorts. So my my thought here is, uh, you are in in 
the most grotesque fashion you can imagine, saving a part of the monster for later. To oh, either use from storage or summon to do your bidding okay. for a certain number of charges that do not recharge. You know the little bit of, of uh, Chainsaw Man that we've watched? Yeah. Um, we've watched about half half the season that's currently out together. I've seen all of it. But um, they they basically... It's, it kind of works like how they summon demons. Yes, okay. Like, so they, they have to make sort of a pact, but you forego, the, you forego that process by killing the monster, in this case, if we're going with monster. Yeah. Um, In order to pull this off and... Now you know you, you you killed it. You get you get control over its body and can summon its reanimated corpse to, or parts of its reanimated corpse to yeah, see, do its crazy moves. Where I was coming at this from a different angle, so I thought you were talking about taking the ability of a monster into your own body. That could be the case too. Yeah, because like where I was thinking, like the eye stalk. And the reason why it would, you'd need to be an artificer mm-hmm. would be that because you'd be building something to cast the eye mm-hmm. beam. Right. So. I think s- you would need just like a certain type of homunculus. Like it doesn't do much on its own, but you can just kind of attach anything to it and it'll like graft. Oh my god. Wait, hold on. That's the sorcerer subclass. Yeah. Not a mechanical homunculus. But yeah. Yeah. Like like a golem crafting sorcerer. This is messed up. This is the most <laughs> fucked up thing I've ever Oh lord. Ugh. It works though. I think it works. Yeah. We we can make that. Yeah. Ooh. I don't know what we would name it or what the the subclass I do. exactly. Yeah. The arcane butcher. That's kind of badass. <laughs> but also, I was thinking around the current sorcerer naming convention, which okay. is such and such bloodline. Sure. Because like we have um, Storm Soul, we have um, the Shadow Magic, we have our uh, Celestial Blood, Demonic, whatever. Because the whole thing with sorcerer is you are a descendant of this power. Right. Right. I'm thinking... <clears throat> you may have to have something in the aberration bloodline. Um, like the aberration monster type. This is a hard one. Yeah. This is so much fun. We're really going to have to revisit this. I agree. I think we're going to need to come back to it. Oh, this is... It's so messy, and I like it. <laughs> Yeah, we'll put this next to um, the uh, the ranger thing. We'll put some. We'll put it on pen and paper, and we'll come back and we'll talk about it. Yeah, because I I think this has a lot of potential to be like some kind of Lovecraftian horror monster yep. thing, and I'm so here for it. Uh-huh. If any of you guys have an atrociously terrifying idea. That makes you sick to your stomach and keeps you up at night. Uh, let us know so we can suffer with you. Clearly, we enjoy it. I I really want to hear anyone's thoughts on either of the uh, class ideas that we've come up with. Oh this yeah, evening. please, please. 
tell us how absolutely fucked up we are. Feed our <laughs> egos. Like, <laughs> yeah, boy. <laughs> Subscribe to the channel if you want to see more of what's coming out because we are going to continue to post this weekly. And find us on all our social medias. Yup, send your stuff to us on Twitter at SummonGrader or our email address, SummonGraderPod at gmail.com. We would love to hear and criticize and love you. Bye.